for those listening, Willie and myself, we've only really known each other for, for literally a few months. And I think we've just, we share that special bond. And I think that's, you've just been a massive influence of me, mate. And like every, every time you share these, these posts or you share these personal stories with me offline or every time we do a podcast together, it really has influenced me so much to, to how I see my own personal situation. And when I have a couple of those down days, I almost ask myself, you know, what would Willie do? Hello and welcome to the 25 Stay Alive podcast, an inspiring, real and raw conversation with Hugo and Willie, two army mates and cancer survivors who are passionate in helping the lives of other young men and women. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. Yes, I know we've had a week off. You know, that's mainly due to myself being a bit sick. But Hugo, mate, how are you? It's good to see your face again. <laughs> yeah, good to see you too, Willie. And I think uh, I think any time you have an excuse to to not do an episode of the podcast, I think saying that you're undergoing your uh, your 12th month of chemotherapy is a good enough excuse, mate, to have a week off. Yeah, mate. And look, I can't tell you how good it is to finally be sort of you know back on my feet, getting around. I've had a I've had a rough week with a with a pretty bad round um, on on the poison, and then. I lost a I lost a mate to brain cancer as well this week, so you know it, it's been a tough week for me. But you know we'll we'll touch on that in the future episodes. Um, but this episode here, this one's going to be a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, look, mate, it, it will be slightly different. First of all, um, yeah, very sorry to hear about that uh, that devastating news, mate. Uh, look, so yeah, today we are going to rather than get a guest on the show, we thought that we would do a bit of a different approach. We wanted to dedicate an episode and whether this is a regular thing, you know, this is just a test for us, so bear with us. But we wanted to do a bit of a, a trial with, I guess, some Q&A um, style format and just go through some questions from you guys and uh, and really just kind of have a chat, really, just a relaxed chat between Willie and myself. So, look, before we do get into the first question, we do have some pretty exciting guests lined up, though, for future episodes. And, uh, look, there is a lot to look forward to, but uh, we thought today would be a great way just to have a chat and answer a few of your questions. All right, so let's get into it, mate. And I think the first question we'll kick off with, which I think is a good place to start, someone asked us, who reached out to the other to collaborate for 25 Stay Alive? Yeah, yeah, we'll start there. Look, I'm going to say that you sort of reached out. I think the first contact was actually you to myself, but that was just as you know a personal thing. But then the, the podcast sort of organically grew, I guess. It was sort of a mutual conversation that, Hey, I want to interview you, and I would like to interview you as well. Why, why don't we do it this together and and share the load between it? Yeah, it was interesting actually. Like that, I think. Um, yeah, exactly right. I, I was following you, following you for a bit on social media, and and I really wanted to to interview. You. And then as soon as I spoke to you on the phone, we kind of got along so well together. And before we know it, we kind of both clicked together and thought, actually, um, then you told me how you've been keen to get into podcasts for a while. And I said, well, look, I'm keen to get into podcasting too. And we said, well, rather than going our own separate directions, and uh, how about we sort of team up? <laughs> yeah, that makes it all easier. Like for people, for people think a podcast, and I sort of still, still did for a little bit, you know, it's just, oh, this guy's talking and you just listen, but it's actually a lot more goes into it than you think, you know, as far as even from equipment and knowledge and just how to get it on iTunes and Spotify, you're like, oh my God, I'm so out of my depth here for just 45 minutes of audio. 
these bloody amateurs that are podcasting both never done anything like it before, both had no idea what we were doing. We both had like the bare basic equipment and we kind of thought, oh, we'll give it a crack. How yeah. hard can it be? Yeah, uh, and, um, and here we are. Yeah, so basically that's how it happened, I suppose, the 25 Stay Alive podcast. And I will just touch on that instead. In terms of the name 25 Stay Alive, that was more something that I um, I came up with a while back, which was nothing linked to a podcast at that stage. It was it was more of a foundation idea I had basically to raise awareness for uh, for young men and women because there's so much uh, awareness and fundraising and charities out there to do with sort of the older demographic and people over, say, 50. So rather than 50, I kind of said, well, let's do half of 50 and why not 25 and 25 stay alive kind of was created over a few beers and just having a, having a chat with with a few people. And that's kind of how that happened. And then I suppose that's when the uh, the podcast name came from that because we thought, well, it, it definitely ties in nicely with with uh, the messages and what we're all about on the podcast, Willie. Yeah, bloody oath. And like um, one of the smart-ass questions we got of, oh, why are you such good-looking good roosters? That's why this is a podcast and not a video series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if that question was a bit tongue in cheek, but anyway, someone did say. No, I'm taking uh, it. I'm taking it as dead serious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I think now being dead serious, we won't say who it is, but I can tell you that it wasn't Willie or Willie or myself that sent that in. <laughs> no, I might have been. I've got some fake accounts. I might just float <laughs> some messages across. Um, so look on the. I suppose that question to do with the, the 25 Salad podcast itself, one that kind of flows into that. Um, but I suppose for those listening and those who are new to podcasts, or though I've been those into podcasts for a while, I know Willie and I have never had any really experience in podcasting ourselves, but someone sort of wrote in and said, why podcasting? So why did you get into to podcasting itself? Uh, Do not go into that, Willie? Yeah, it's a funny one. I, and like myself, pretty much until six months ago, never really listened to podcasts, but it's become a massive platform for, you know, sharing information across um, such an easy, to educate people such across such an easy platform um, that it's really just people talking in a conversation um, and to tune in and it's free and it's easy to do. So I always wanted to ex- express, you know, more than, you know, a hundred characters on an Instagram post, but, you know, Instagram gives you either 60 seconds in a video or, you know, a couple of hundred characters and a podcast, you know, it's something free and educational that you can put out there that people can either listen or not. And it's easy to listen to, it fills in your time and it, it really gets the sort of the point I'm trying to put across and any knowledge that I can share across as well. And I know you probably feel very similar to that. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point that you raised that there are so many amazing avenues and platforms out there to, to share your story and, and uh, like Instagram, obviously, but I think like you, you hit the nail on the head there, mate. Like podcasting is such a good way to to have a, a lengthy discussion with with whatever it may be, anything that you want to talk about, and it can kind of just be a, a platform where someone can be listening to it on the way to work, they can be listening to it going for a run, um, and it's just quite a quite an easy avenue, I suppose, rather than watching a movie mm. or reading a book or or reading a lengthy post, you can just chuck your headphones in and listen to two guys in our case. Uh, talk about some stuff where they're, we're both passionate in. So I think it's a, a good platform to do that. Yeah, and, and I think um, sort of expanding on that a little bit as well is I've ran into so many incredible people um, through my sort of diagnosis in the last 12 months that haven't really had their story told to a big audience or at least recorded their story. Their story. And I've sort of been uh, really lucky that I've got the opportunity to run this podcast to some of the incredible people I've run into 
actually being able to, you know, talk to them about their story, record it, and then, you know, it's out there for the world to listen to. And some of these people, which, you know, they're not a celebrity who's going to be on the A-list somewhere and everyone's going to know their story, but their stories are just as incredible. So I really, really enjoy being able to share that with the wider community. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So look, we'll, we'll move into a couple other questions we've got. Um, and like I said, these are kind of coming in any random order. Like I said, we did get sent a fair few of them. So we'll try to go as sequential as we can. So we'll go down a quite an interesting question uh, where it says, do you think there will be a cure for all cancers in our lifetime? Willie, you going to take the lead Gee. on that, mate? Um, look, I, I do. I'm hopeful that we will. As far as I'm going to, I'm going to put that aside by maybe 20, 2060, 2070. With the advancements you see in science and new treatments coming up every day and, you've, and the better funding and the better understanding of how the body works and how the body can fight things, I am hopeful that there will be more cures the problem with this is off the top of my head, there's 240-ish different genetic strains of cancer. And then each one under that has its own genetic code to the person. You're not curing cancer. is isn't one thing to cure. You have to cure thousands of different things. Now, there are cancers which we have basically cured that have survival rates over 99%. There's ones with survival rates of 0.1%. And I guess for a, a cancer to not exist means all of those have to be 100. I think we'll see a dramatic increase in people getting diagnosed early as far as, um, say, with my cancer, mine's a genetic cancer. So on the leg of one of my chromosomes, if you did a chromosome map when I was an infant, you could predict that I was going to get this. I think that is where you'll see the advancements will be people actually not getting cancer, then preventing it um, rather than a cure to cancers that already exist, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that, mate. And I think it's always good to be optimistic. And I think the advancements continue to happen. And and, uh, you touched on that briefly, Willie. A lot of these cancers, they do have, you know, the high 90% cure rates. You know, 30 years ago, for example, if you got diagnosed with testicular cancer, you basically had less than 10% chance of living. It was one of those cancers that it was kind of not much known about it. It was a bit of a killer and no one wanted to get testicular cancer. Um, Along came a guy called um, Larry Einhorn. And he, uh, he's actually uh, Lance Armstrong's uh, doctor. And he basically did a lot of research into just testicular cancer and thought, you know, why is this cancer killing so many young men? And so basically what he did is created through, through science and through continued trial and error, he basically created a specific targeted cocktail drug of, uh, of certain chemotherapy drugs, which is bleomycin, topocidin, cyplatinum, uh, BEP, which basically overnight essentially from the trials he did went from a less than sort of 10% chance cure rate to over 90% basically because Mm. the testicular cancer tumor or the cancers themselves was so I guess reactive in a good way to the chemotherapy cocktail that uh, Larry Einhorn both created so it's just an example to show that the advancements of say testicular cancer which in my case is close to home has significantly increased in survival rate purely from a, a treatment standpoint of chemotherapy and and so I suppose that's continuing to happen. Like as we speak today, there are people all around the world continuing to all the money that you raise for charities and et cetera. It was all going to things like research to find that next chemo drug, to find that next treatment method. And you look at things like proton therapy, um, which you know is mm. being of targeted radiation essentially to, to reduce or completely eradicate tumors close to both of our heart, Willie, in South Australia and Adelaide. 
it's looking to um, in the next, I think by 2021 or near enough to have the, the first sort of proton therapy clinic in Samri 2 clinic in Adelaide. And these, these advancements are continuing to happen. And then you look at the, the more natural medicine, which we'll probably touch on in a separate episode, but things like your diet, which is shown to significantly imp- improve cancers and hemp oils. And all, there's so many things out there. So I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. So look, whether it's a complete cure of all cancers in our lifetime, Look, I'm not sure, but I think statistics and medical advancements will tell us that in, say, another 50 years' time, it should continue to hopefully go down that pathway and we'll hopefully get very close to that. Yeah, exactly. And I sort of look at it, if you ask someone in the 60s, when we had a man on the moon, in 50 years, will we have a cure for cancer? People would have also said yes. (laughs) And we would have had flying cars and we don't. It is getting better, but it gets better very, very slowly because it's a very, very big task at hand. If it was one cancer, it'd be cured, but there's thousands. And that's that's the issue. And that's obviously my case with saying testicular cancer, but unfortunately for for you know someone like yourself, mate, with with obviously the brain cancer, the brain is so fucking complex that it's 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 yeah. so difficult to find that treatment option that's going to completely sort of cure or increase survival rates for something like brain cancer yeah for sure but you never know they, they stumble upon things that you know can blow things out of the water say charlie t at the moment where all my research money goes he's doing in australia the world first targeted cannabis oil trials or something on brain tumors don't don't quote me on what it's actually called but it's along those lines so you know every single day there's things being trialed and you know you try enough things something will eventually work <laughs> No, so look, that's kind of the uh, the world according to Hugo and Willie as far as that question goes. And look, it is an open-ended question, but I definitely think we are heading uh, in the right right direction. And and let's hope those advancements are only exponentially going to grow in the uh, in years. Yeah, to for sure. So look, next questions, Willie. Do you want, do you have one there, mate? Do you want to kick off? Yeah, I do, I do actually. Um, so oh, actually, I won't say the name, but uh, the question is, uh, where do you believe your cancer originated from? Hmm. There are certain cancers that, for example, might be more genetic. For my case, I've had no real family history of cancer. So as far as where mine originated from, I guess my testicular cancer I'll touch on, there's links to if you've had a undescended testicle as a, a baby. Um, so I, you wouldn't even know because you were so young, but it was one of those things that that's a strong link to getting testicular cancer. And it's, it wasn't until after my diagnosis that my mum actually said I did have an undescended testicle. So it was one of those things that straight away as a baby without even knowing it, my risks of getting testicular cancer were significantly increased. But that was probably the only main reason why I got testicular cancer in the way. And I think there's nothing else that's strongly linked to it. You know, people say if your phones are in your pocket or if your phones are near your testicles, can that give you look there's nothing that's strongly linked to say that's the case at all. Mm. So that's probably the only thing for for my testicular cancer. As far as my bowel cancer, um, one of the big reasons I probably did get bowel cancer was because I've, uh, I've been living with ulcerative colitis, which is a form of bowel disease for most of my life. And they say if you're living with a bowel disease, whether that be Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis for more than 10 years, whether that's mild or extreme, they say that significantly increases your chance of getting bowel cancer. So for me, oh, I've had ulcerative colitis or a form of bowel disease for more than 10 years. And unfortunately, I've left the inflammation untreated for many, many years. And that's what caused the polyps. And that's what eventually caused the, uh, the, I guess, the cancer growth in the polyps itself. So for those listening and you do live with a form of bowel disease and ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, you know, it is quite common, but uh, really make sure you get on top of that. 
So yeah, look, apart from uh, having a, a history of bowel disease for me, which definitely significantly, uh, I guess, increased or resulted in me getting bowel cancer, other things which I suppose uh, have been linked to preventing bowel cancer, um, and once again, there's a lot of studies out there suggesting this, is that nutrition is so important uh, in the prevention of bowel cancer. So, you know, things that you eat, things that you put in your body. Uh, which look, it, ma- it makes sense to me, and it makes sense to a lot of people. Um, things like processed meats, uh, red meats. There, there is there is that length that that can increase your risk of something like bowel cancer, and then obviously other factors like uh, you know smoking. Which I think anyone who smokes, it's hard to argue that uh, look smoking is good for you. I think it's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that look, yes, smoking does significantly increase your risk of getting not just bowel cancer not just lung cancer, but almost any type of cancer. So look, I'm a, I'm a big one for nutrition and I do think that's strongly linked to, to, um, to certain types of cancer and having, having, you know, a nutrient rich diet is a key to preventing cancer such as bowel cancer. But look, apart from, apart from that, that that's basically it. I, yeah. I don't really have anything genetically linked with me uh, getting, I guess, testicular cancer or bowel cancer um, personally. But how about you, Willie? What's, uh, what's your, I suppose, situation? Yeah, see, mine, um, and I'll sort of touch on, there are sort of two types of cancer. You've got genetic cancers, like cancers that you're going to get from, you know, your genetic makeup and cancers you get externally, whether it's you know, smoking, sun, diet, or, or a range of things you can be exposed to. Um, mine is actually falls under the genetic. My understanding with, with my tumour, and there might be a neuroscientist listening to this going, you have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> is that you can actually see the leg of one of my chromosomes has a um, an abnormality in it. And that actually causes the cells in that part of the brain where my tumour is, which is just a growth of cells, that actually causes that abnormality. Um, and there's a big long strip of numbers and letters that identifies this particular part of your DNA, and it's in my genetic makeup to have this this tumor. Um, and that that is, I think, sometimes comes into the bit of the unfairness feeling, like I couldn't have done anything to prevent this. There are things, and I'll, I'll touch on this after, but there are things that can make my cancer, the survivability rate, better or worse. You know, taking up smoking <laughs> is, is going to be worse for me, but the actual survival rate of my tumor wouldn't be altered at all it's a genetic makeup same as you've got your color eyes and that i've got blue eyes it's the exact same thing yeah. it's as down to my fundamental building blocks of my body that i've got blonde hair blue eyes and this tumor in my brain <laughs> um and that's eventually where i as we touched on before the scientific advancement you'll be able to you know they'll easily be able to take a genetic makeup when you're an embryo and go yep yeah, we can treat this now and get rid of it but yeah, this this tune was always going to was always going to be there. The fact that it was always going to be there, like no matter what, pretty much you could have done to prevent that. It must. It's one of those things. It's not like you you know you smoke two packs a day for for twenty years and oh shit, you got lung cancer. It's kind of like you know okay, I'm, I've got myself to blame. Or I I sat in the sun and tanned without sunscreen for my whole youth and I've got melanoma. But in your case, there was literally nothing you could have changed at all. Uh, it was always going to I guess always going to happen. Yeah, I get asked a lot on have I been exposed to anything, whether at work or in sort of normal life that could have potentially made it, maybe made it worse as far as, you know, um, cell phone radiation or whatever. And that's, there's there's evidence on both sides that show that radiation and radio waves do and don't and no one can say yes or no. But the fundamental of mine is genetic. 
um, that can be influenced, of course, by external things. It's influenced by chemotherapy as well. Mm. It's making it better. <laughs> Same as things can also make it worse. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that is this it's not external cells these cells are meant to be there that's the same part of your brain these cells just won't stop growing <laughs> so it's not a foreign body of cells in my brain it's just brain cell it's just mm. they don't stop freaking growing <laughs> if they if they could just be a bit more lazy and stop growing then it would just piss off i suppose the whole early detection side of things is not as relevant because even no. if you detected your oh well, i suppose it's probably not relevant really at all if you detected your brain cancer you know you know, five years ago, or five, you know, if anything, the only reason it is beneficial for us is that if you detected your brain cancer in say five years time, well, mm. you know, who knows how long you'd have left. Whereas at least you've um, detected it now, or you, you still give yourself that fighting chance um, over the next say five, 10 years to, to hopefully try and do whatever you can in, in your power, whether that through be through medical treatment or natural treatments to try and, and try and uh, reduce that tumor. Yeah, and that is a lot of um, a lot of sort of immunotherapies and everything, which is you know developing strongly in, I believe, the UK and Germany, is actually changing genetic makeups of people. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's even research they're going into. They could maybe even change the color of your eyes. And mm. on the flip side of that, they'd be able to do something for me as well. We're just going to get rid of these cells. That's true. <laughs> just go from there. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. At least I suppose as far as the early detection side, at least you've given yourself time, which is better than. Better than anything at this point in time, because who knows what's going to the advancements we're going to see in five years' time. So that's uh, that's one thing I suppose to be hopeful, hopeful for, mate. Oh yeah, for sure. So I've uh, I've got a question here that someone sent us. How has your life changed since being diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, um, I'll answer it fairly differently. So sort of um, at least not materialistically. Of course, I live in a different house and. You know, where my position at work and stuff is all different, but that's I, I cover that in my podcast. From a um, sort of almost philosophic point of view, my whole outlook on the world has changed. I enjoy a lot more like reading sort of people talk about the universe and why we matter and why we exist. And that's grown me massively over the last 12 months of re sort of refining a purpose of why I do matter. Are still, and I've sort of learned in the last 12 months to accept death as a really big part of life because it, well, we're all going to die either way, um, but to really accept it, but then just be like, well, that's going to happen. Um, so let's, you know, live here now. Just because that's destined to happen doesn't mean today, tomorrow, and yesterday don't matter still. So, yes, so much has changed physically in my life, yeah, but I think mentally and I'll say spiritually, although I'm not a spiritual person at all, but the way I carry myself and the way I, my, I view the world is significantly different. I'm more happy or simpler things make me happy now than they used to. Mm. I used to find it to, to find pleasure in things. It would be something big. I'd have to go, I'd go travel to Europe or I'd jump out of a plane or it'd be some big activity that I'd put a lot of weight on and that would be what I'd really find pleasure in. I think being sick for a fairly long time now, I've had to learn to enjoy little things. So I will enjoy going and sitting and having a cup of coffee somewhere with a friend or a loved one as much as anything and just learning to live in that moment mm. so much. That's what the biggest change I've found in myself. And I'm not sure if you feel the same, but I've learned to enjoy people's company, 
in simple situations so much more. Yeah, no, well said, mate. And I think that's what makes you um, so inspiring and why so many people are so drawn to you because the approach you've taken since your diagnosis has been, um, it's been, yeah, so inspiring in that way. And I think I, on, my, on the 25 Stay Alive Instagram page, I actually put this quote up of you, mate, which you said in one of the podcasts, which I think summarizes everything you've just said perfectly. And for those who haven't read it, it is, it is up on the, the Instagram page. But Willie said, people have this perception that cancer leads to death. I believe cancer leads to life. It can make people realize they are not invincible and to live the best life they can. But basically what you've just said, it summarized you to say, look, it's, it kind of makes you appreciate those, those little things in life and not mm-hmm. take life for granted. And as cliche as that sounds, I think you out of anyone can say that because you've been given a kind of a, a timeline on your life as such with, with your current condition. So you've learned to go, you know what, I'm going to embrace that. And, uh, and live the best life I can. So for me, answering that question, how has your life changed since being diagnosed with cancer? I suppose it's cancers for me, being testicular and bowel. But look, my life definitely has changed, uh, more so in a good way uh, than a bad way. I think it's really made me appreciate what I do have, and it really made me realize how precious life is and how important our health is, but more so how quickly it can all change. Uh, and that, that's a big one. You know, one moment you can be kicking the footy and, and having drinks with mates, but the next minute, you know, you, you're being told you've got cancer. Everything can change so quickly. So that's why I tell people, appreciate what you have, value the small things in life and don't take things for granted, especially your health. Really don't take your health for granted because I can tell you from my own experience, it can change pretty quickly. I suppose unlike you, mate, I haven't had that um, situation where I've been told that I'm, uh, I'm incurable or I've got a terminal cancer. But having said that, there still are unknowns. Uh, And I look at myself as being one of the lucky ones because unfortunately there are many people who succumb to testicular cancer and to to bowel cancer. So there are people that aren't as fortunate as I am. So I look at myself as going, well, I'm actually one of the lucky ones. So I really want to, to use what I've gone through and make the best out of a bad situation and try and help others and try and make a difference to the lives of others. So, so I suppose that's uh, something I'm pretty passionate about since being diagnosed with these cancers. And the only other thing I'll add in how I have changed since my cancer is it has made me a lot more emotional in a good way. Uh, it's made me realize that there's no shame in seeking help and that there's no shame in sharing your emotions. And I think that's just simply part of life. And I think that's something I really want to also try and change that stigma, especially amongst men, that there's, there's nothing wrong with being open and sharing your emotions. I think that's, uh, it can be a really powerful thing to embrace that. So it has made me a lot more, more emotional and, and more willing to, to open up and share my, my emotions and share myself really, which I think is, is also a good thing because uh, it's really made me learn more about myself, uh, really who I am and, and on, a, on a far deeper level than I ever would have had if I had never have gone through what I'd gone through with these two separate types of cancer. So look, they're, uh, they're the key points I think that I have changed uh, since being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And I think, and you touch on, although you didn't have a terminal as well, well, even then though, you were faced at a young age with your own mortality. Um, mm. You were faced with something of, holy shit, I can actually die. Yeah. Um, that, you, that you had faced, you know, twice. Uh, and that, that makes you appreciate your own life so much more because holy shit, this is tangible. This isn't just something that's given to me on a silver platter. If this is tangible, this can change. Um, yeah. And I think you sum up there well that, yeah, you, you really now 
appreciate little things and being more open. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So look, I've just got another question here, which someone sent in. Well, actually, there's uh, two questions, but they're quite similar. So I might just, um, we'll cover off on both of these, I suppose, in the same question. But someone said, what do you do to relax? And then someone else has sent in saying, how do you de-stress? Um, so they kind of link together. So we might just cover off on the um, cover off on both of those. So what do you do to relax? And also falling under that, what do you do to de-stress? So you, uh, you can lead off with that one if you aren't willing. That's a, that's a hard one because I, I, I don't find that I can really sit down and find peace in myself. I, I do like to do things. Um, but that said, I like, I like to excite my senses. So say it's, it's drinking really good coffee or, or food or something. And I'll, I'll put something around that to center myself and center my attention on something that can take my mind away from the thing. Another strategy, you know, reading is fantastic. Although I do struggle reading with my chemo brain. I've got right into educating myself about the world and that has helped me relax so, so much. So I watch a lot of um, scientific sort of information videos slash podcasts on YouTube that explain everything from stupid level like quantum theory, physics, (laughs) Um, but to to broaden my understanding of sort of the world around me Mm. has helped me sort of relax into that own world. If I know how things work, it doesn't sort of scare me as much, if that yeah. makes makes sense. And sort of another one that I've done with chemo, I've done chemo for a long time. It's been, well, it's actually been 12 months because I had a month in the middle um, right. break, but I still feel shit. Um, anyone who's seen my Instagram knows I've got a, a freaking ridiculous wardrobe. Yes. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of money on on fashion and clothes, which wasn't really like that before this. But I saw, I saw that last week, mate. It's uh, it's bloody spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit it is a bit ridiculous. Um, but that actually has helped me a lot because I've been like, look, for the next however long with treatment, I'm going to feel like shit, but at least I'm going to fucking look good. If I go to a situation. So if I walk into a room, if I if I go out for coffee or a beer or whatever, I might feel fucking horrendous, but at least I'll look good. And that reflects back onto you as, you know, you look good, you're sort of feeling better, you're, you're a bit more, um, you shine a bit brighter. And that, that, has helped, and that, that has helped me a lot. It might be silly, but, you know, your little techniques like that, that can, that can help so many people. You know, look sure. after yourself. You know, you get sure. up in the morning, you know, if you if you let yourself go over a bit and you get like me at the moment, a bit of a beard, a bit of bit of haircut, you go and get a nice clean shave and everything, you you feel better. And looking after yourself like that does really, really help you. And that's my biggest tip is, you know, look after yourself, treat yourself when you can. Um, and that, that and that's sort of what I do. Relax into things, teach yourself as much as you can. Yeah, the the mind can be such a complex beast in a way that it can get the better of you sometimes. And I do have a tendency to overthink and overanalyze a lot of situations, um, whether that might seem mm-hmm. trivial to some people or, or significant to myself. I do overthink a lot and I do kind of get a lot of stress and anxiety in a lot of the time. So the big ways that I relax is I find escapism really good form of relaxation for me. So for me, whether that's watching a, a movie a Netflix show and that, that might be anything from a, a slapstick comedy to a, a drama to a war movie to whatever. But I find that escapism for say that one hour, that two hours, you're completely lost into that movie, that TV show uh, for a lot of people that might be reading, but that escapism I think is so important because it kind of just lets you go free in a way for it for a while. And I think that's really good just to relax 
no matter how stressful your day has been or how stressful your situation is. So that's a big one for me. And on that and too, Jim would actually chuck ch- ch- into that as well. Um, a lot of people with exercise find that escape massively, and that's an addictive element to exercising a lot. Um, oh. These people find an escape in the gym. No, definitely. And yeah, literally, I was about to touch on that too the exercise, whether that be a big workout at the gym or whether that be a, a 10K run or whether that be literally walk around the block with the dogs, just getting out putting those headphones in or talking to your partner or talking to your mate or whatever, but just that form of exercise and that getting out as well. I find that sometimes I find I just go for a run, even if it's a two kilometer run around the block, put some headphones in, listen to some random music. You just kind of just feel so re-energized. Like you just feel so good. Your endorphins are high and you just feel great for exercising. So that was the the next point I was going to say, I think exercising, yeah. however little that might be, is so important for that relaxation piece as well and really just kind of making you feel better. A big one for me, and I was just thinking about it when you were saying about exercise, is actually uh, photography for me. I've always been interested in photography and if I didn't go into the army, that's probably what I would have done for a job. But I love the idea behind sort of freezing a moment in time and I think that's become more and more with with my diagnosis and, and relaxing is I can sort of freeze a moment of pure happiness or a feeling I have and it's there forever. Um, Unlike, you know, things come and go in life, this moment has come and gone, you know, and and every other moment since will. But photography allows me to sort of keep that emotion and that memory forever in a place, if that makes sense. And that's that's helped me a lot. And, and shit like that really does help. I found, and we'll touch on it in, in the next couple of episodes, but I've been through a bit of a rough week um, with losing a friend. And I found the other night, I was sort of, you know, scrolling through some photos and whatever of, you know, me traveling and everything of, of really happy times. And it really, really did bring my, uh, my happiness level from sort of down to the dumps so high. And to the point where I was like, stuff is, I went on, like an easy internet website and ordered some prints because I was like, well, so many people just look at bloody photos on their phone or on the computer. I'm actually going to print them out, put them on the wall mm. and have that happy moment there. So if I'm feeling shit about something, I can look at that and think, fuck, how happy was I right in that moment? That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, and that's something I'd encourage anyone to, to step into. Um, and speak, speaking of that, Hugo, you mentioned um, Netflix. What are, you, what are you watching on Netflix? What are, what are you into? Well, first of all, I'm eagerly wait, awaiting the Peaky Blinders, um, which I think comes out this month, the new season of Peaky Blinders. I love uh, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> you're, you're a Peaky Blinders fan, aren't you, mate? Oh, who isn't? <laughs> so to be honest with you, I'm I'm just about to re-watch, I think, the last season just to kind of get back in that, that mindset. So mm. I guess at this point in time, I just finished watching that uh, short TV um, Netflix show called You, just called You, about the stalkerish boyfriend which is like a six-part mini series which i watched with uh with my partner amber which we which we really liked and then i'm currently just watching a uh a a one on netflix called um russian doll which is uh, which is it's it's kind of like a for those who have seen groundhog day with bill murray back in the day i used to love that movie where he kind of wakes up and every day he dies and then next day he wakes up and it's exactly the same point where he left off the previous day and he just he basically can't die and he kept reliving that same day and i love that movie so this is called russian doll and it's very similar concept to to groundhog day and i've still got a few episodes to go but it's um i quite like it it's quite quirky and it's uh it's quite different but it's um 
yeah, that's kind of what I'm watching at the moment. And I've just finished you and now I'm watching a show called Russian Doll and I'm awaiting Peaky Blinders. But how about yourself, mate? Are you you're watching anything at the moment? Oh, look, I watch, I watch a bit of everything, but um, I actually bring that up because I was actually been watching the newest uh, Ricky Gervais series. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, that. Life of me, I can't remember what it's called. But I think it touches on some incredibly sensitive topics that you're close to you and me um, as far as mental health, particularly in men and cancer. Afterlife, um, and I think it was. Afterlife, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, it touches on mental health and cancer absolutely brilliantly. And I was sort of, you know, and you're watching something and you're like, holy shit, this is, it's like it's reading, reading my day. <laughs> and I recommend anyone, you know, to watch, you might get a really new perspective on how people with mental health issues or have dealt with cancer and loss actually can feel. And it sums up some really fantastic thing and some fantastic quotes in it as far as, and the big one that goes with me is happiness is so amazing. It doesn't even have to be you that's happy and it will make someone else happy. <laughs> and it's, it's like that. Just seeing someone else so happy is so incredible. It can, it can radiate onto other people. Yeah, I love that. That's, um, yeah, that's and, awesome. And I'd suggest anyone, um, anyone, particularly if you've dealt with, and everyone in their lifetime will deal with cancer and mental health. Um, like it or not, you will. You know, 50% of people get cancer, so you will. Um, watch it and it'll really, really clear some things up. Yeah, no, I love that, mate. So, look, we... Um, well, look, we might um, we might just finish off with one more. Like I said, uh, we, we have been sent in uh, quite a, an overwhelming amount of questions, which is awesome, and we'll 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 try and do this kind of weekly, even if it's an extra episode. Or we, we will really want to try and get through everyone's questions. Mm. But how about we finish off with with one more, mate? Do you have a a final one to finish us off on? Yeah, and it's actually the one I've I've chucked up in the chat there of um, who's influenced you post your diagnosis so there's always people that influence you sort of before diagnosis you know it might be a, a footy star or a tv star or or something but who's really made a massive influence on you since your diagnosis um that has helped you you know understand more about either yourself or the world or or just influenced you in a in a good way i suppose since knowing you mate you've really influenced me in probably more ways than than you know just in the fact that your your positivity and your outlook on life but also your honesty and your rawness which I love and for those listening Willie and myself we've only really known each other for for literally a few months and I think we've just we share that special bond and I think that's you've just been a massive influence of me mate and like every every time you share these these posts or you share these personal stories with me offline or every time we do a podcast together it really has influenced me so much to, to how I see my own personal situation. And when I have a couple of those down days, I almost ask myself, you know, what would Willie do? Willie's smiling right now going through his 11th round or 12th, 12th month of chemo. Um, and here I'm having a complaining about a, a, you know, a shitty day. So I think that's a big one, mate. You know, you, you in itself, mate, is been a huge influence to me post-diagnosis. And I don't want to seem all, all cliche and corny, but it's, it's the honest truth and, and I think on that, like just it's an honor and a privilege to do these podcasts with you because I think we both also get influenced with some amazing guests we have on the show, like previous episode with Ben, um, quadriplegic, and Dahlia, who's who's going through a bowel cancer treatment. And these types of people who come on the show and who we meet, I just feel so influenced and inspired through all these amazing, amazing people, mate, that uh, it really did start with with running into you. So that's... Uh, I guess that's my answer to that, mate. But uh, how about yourself? Um, yeah, you've, you've stumped me a bit there. I didn't, uh, 
I wasn't expecting that answer at all. I, um, <laughs> I promise that wasn't a loaded question for people out there. People might have no, been thinking, definitely, "Oh, definitely wasn't." Sort of, no. Um, oh, geez, yeah, that that really means a lot to hear that, mate. Um, so I don't see myself as that at all. Sometimes I see myself as just too honest, and people think I'm a prick. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, maybe I don't. Yeah. Maybe I don't know you well enough yet, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, no, maybe not. No, but well, well, well. Firstly, you know, thank thank you so much for that. You know, hearing that does make you know sort of everything. I do, I do put a lot of effort into things that I do. Like I think people see an Instagram post, but don't see it's not easy to write some of that stuff. You know, writing and sharing some of the things. I don't want to show that I'm sick in hospital and for that, you know, what's happening to me or whatever. I, I, it's not the easiest thing to write. I think, and this is going to be, I might duck away from the question almost a bit here. I'm sorry if people think I'm, a, I'm bitching out from it. But um, is my influence is actually um, comes from a lot of my followers. It's not an individual, it's collective. As far as my followers, which, you know, say it's about 10,000, has given me a platform every single day to talk to 10,000 people and express my views and my opinions and, and if I'm having a problem that they're there. Mm. That is an incredible thing. I was talking to a friend about it the other day. In what other time in society, what level of sort of politics would you have to be or celebrity to every single day of your life be able to speak to 10,000 people and mm. then listen? No one. So Donald true. Trump. Donald Trump could, could not hold a rally every single day and have ten thousand people turn up. Yet, these people who just log in or and and read my post or, or send me a message or anything have influenced me to to do better and be a better person. Through holy hell, they've given me the opportunity to speak to these many people, to speak in front of a crowded audience every single day of my life. Well, since they've given me that opportunity. Even if it's an audience that's, you know, in my in my Android phone, but at the other end there's ten thousand people in that audience. It's like speaking to a crowded house. And that has influenced me to do better and be better every single day. And it's quite an incredible thing. And the people I meet, including yourself in that audience, are so incredible. It can be easy to sort of people fade into one. Um, but then I start hearing these stories such as just as yours, um, Dahlia's Ben's. And being able to share those sort of with yourself or anyone else is so incredible to actually, for you and me to sit here and share, listening to Ben or Dahlia's story, that influences me more than I think anyone, anyone can ever tell. Mm. <laughs> and of course, you know, there's some, there's some authors as well. And yeah, the, the, my, my following has been the biggest influence. Yeah, well said, mate. I think it's interesting to hear that because you obviously influence so many people on a daily basis just by sharing your journey. But then to hear that you're also influenced by your followers who you're influencing, it's kind of that reciprocal moment where, and that, that flow-on effect where you're influencing others and they're influencing you, which makes what you do worthwhile. And, and I think that's awesome. So look, I think that's a good good point to finish on. And we will, uh, we will wrap things up there. And, and on that, if you haven't yet subscribed or left us a rating or review on iTunes, or Apple Podcast, please do that. It'll take the best part of 30 seconds of your time, but it means so much to us because it helps us reach more people, uh, which kind of makes what we do worthwhile and really continue to spread these important important messages and important topics and, and raise as much awareness as we can and hopefully make a, a positive difference to the lives of others. And, and also more importantly, when we have these guests on like Ben or like Dahlia and some of these guests coming up, 
uh, really so we can share their story to, to as many people as we can and use this 25 Stay Alive podcast as a platform to do that. So no thanks again, guys, for listening to today's episode. It was a bit more of an informal, relaxed feel. And Willie, mate, it's been great chatting to you. No, it's a pleasure always. And just to reiterate that, yeah, absolutely. Send us a if 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 there's something you want to know, send us a message and ask. Or, and I'll expand on that as far as even if there's something you just want to tell us, just send it. Don't don't think oh these guys don't care. We 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 honestly care. Yeah, if you message me like oh, you know, I did this. Today. I do actually really care. It it means a lot to us that that you guys are involved in this and this podcast wouldn't exist without listeners that, that that's the thing is the people listening to this are as important as you and me sitting here recording it you, you you are the only reason this exists and the only reason it will continue to exist um so be involved if, if you want to message us and ask us something or tell us something be involved with us and and uh, thank you so much for listening again you've been listening to the 25 stay alive podcast Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 25StayAlive. And feel free to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.